the Panhandle News Network. The views and opinions on this station do not necessarily represent the Panhandle News Network, WEPM and WCST, or West Virginia Radio Corporation. It's Panhandle Sports Live. Crossover, step back! Where the Eastern Panhandle of West Virginia comes to get their sports live. Is this the Tiger? It is a great night to be a Mountaineer wherever you may be. Agent back to pass, rush down the pocket, throwing it downfield. It's into the end zone. Oh, he caught it! Here are your hosts, Jordan Warner, Luke Wiggs, and Parker Stone. It is Tuesday the 29th, and you're tuned in to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. Jordan Icewinner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. You can text us, 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. Good morning, fellas. Good morning. How are we doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing well. I had a nice little dinner last night and got to relax a little bit this past evening, so it was, it was a good time. So it, you, you said you went to a Japanese steakhouse? Yeah, we went to was a Japanese. Was it Jap- like a hibachi kind of deal? Yeah, it was one of those things. It was, little, it was chicken a little late birthday yesterday. Chicken or steak? Uh, I went steak and scallops. Oh, mm. yeah. you, showing out, showing out on the other person. Did you catch the the piece of food that the chef threw? I did actually. No, first no try. you didn't. First, I, I swear first, I did. First try. I swear. First try. Right. I swear. Did you do the sake thing? They shoot the sake. They didn't. They didn't shoot the sake. I was. Uh, ho- I was hoping they would. Maybe they get a different vibe from me and my friends when we go. <laughs> I was gonna say. I, well, it was. It was. Maybe thought you were seventeen. <laughs> it was. It, it was me and Lauren, and then it was the. It was like a family, like a family of four, and they had like probably like a two, like a probably like a maybe like a four year old, and then like oh, a young that's the, yeah. You want like the the yeah. middle aged couple experience at the hibachi table, not the not the family of four experience. What's your favorite part? The uh, the volcano, the yeah. onion volcano. Yeah, that's always a favorite. <laughs> Well, good. Well, I'm glad you had a, uh, a nice dinner, even though, uh, well, apparently on our text line, again, you can text us, 304-263-4321. Uh, let's just address it, Parker. We got to address Rip it. Rip the Band-Aid off. We got to address it. So uh, a texter texted yesterday afternoon uh, saying, funny how Parker Stone had nothing to say about Hedgesville after they took the big loss on Friday, 56 to nothing. In my words, the big loss on Friday, 56 to nothing. Uh, I think in his last words were if they beat Wheeling Park, then they are going to be the real deal. Guess after that beating, uh, they should have moved down the EPAC list to five. He needs to get rid of his slant for Gavin Young and focus on real talent like Murphy Clement. Now that's a football player who deserved <laughs> deserves being talked about. So, uh, Parker, I'll give you a few uh, seconds here to yeah, go ahead and respond. I, I yield my time to the congressman from Virginia. Yeah. Well, I'll say this. if yeah, I, I don't have a slant towards any specific player. I root for Gavin because I've got to see him grow a lot as a player with last year at Berkeley Springs and now moving, that, moving up to Hedgesville. I want to see him do good for people to prove that he can stick in AAA, and I will always support Gavin Young. I will say that flat out of the way. In what world did I say that I don't that I don't support other athletes in the Eastern Panhandle as well? I think Murphy Clement is a hell of a ball player. I think he's fantastic, and I think there are a lot of great athletes in the Eastern Panhandle. For Hedgesville's sake, I said on the show, if they beat Wheeling Park, they have the potential to go 9-1 and one because if you beat Wheeling Park on the island, that's that's a big statement across the that that Hedgesville is legit. They didn't. Now we have questions. We've had questions about Hedgesville. Now they got to prove something on Friday against Kaiser. 
Now there's ton there's tons of great performances over the weekend. I mentioned Zero Season Yancey's. I mentioned I mentioned Murphy Clement is a big guy that had a big performance last weekend. Tayshawn Roper's another big guy that had one. But there's a lot of questions to be answered from Hedgesville. I get the Texas sentiment with that. Hedgesville may have had a little too much hype coming into the season. Now we get to find if it's legitimate or not because they got to play a tough Kaiser team that's going to be probably one of the 10 best teams in Class AA this year. Well, you can always send in your thoughts anytime <laughs> you like on our text page, 304-263-4321. And we'll keep talking a little EPAC football here after a little while, especially after the bottom of the hour when we'll be chatting with uh, victorious Washington head football coach Terry Ray here on Panhandle Sports Live. But uh, we're what? Less than, well, on Saturday is the home opener, uh, the season opener for the Shepherd Rams. They got Southern Connecticut State coming into town. And, you know, both teams really, but of course, especially for the Rams, uh, presents a lot of different questions coming in to this season. Now, on the other side of things, uh, out of the little bit of research I've done so far this week, I mean, uh, the Owls are pretty much in the same situation that the Rams are in. They lose a longtime quarterback. They bring a D1 transfer in. They lost a lot in the backfield, and it looks like they've gained some in the backfield as well since the losing some. So I think this is – I think the Rams still beat uh, the Owls by a, a, a good enough margin to where it's somewhat of a comfortable victory. But I think uh, this could be a little bit more of a challenge than expected, even with that uh, that defense for the Rams, which could be the best in the country this year. Yeah, I think that's a fair sentiment. This was a game last year that Shepard just so slightly started or slowed getting into gear. They didn't put up 21 points in a quarter until the third quarter. It was 14-zip at the end of the first, but they struggled to move the ball a little bit against a, a Southern Connecticut State offense that was pretty anemic. And like you said, when this team that won three games last year struggled to move the ball and struggled to win games on the road, and then they lose key pieces. And again, I'm talking about Southern Connecticut State, not Shepard. You would expect this to be a, a, a week one tune-up game, you know, but there's a different level in the levels of tune-up games. Mm -hmm. If it's similar to last year's script, at the end of the Southern Connecticut State game, we thought there's a lot of questions about the defense that were answered. They were looking fast. I remember Dwayne Grantham had one of his interceptions in that game, and there was promise there, and the offense was moving the ball pretty well once they kind of shook the rust off. So if you get that kind of performance, then you're going to be, you know, you're going to be fine. But if there's a ton of interior pressure, Seth Morgan struggles to throw the ball, you can't run the ball for more than three or four yards a pop, and you know you only win this game by an unconvincing margin, or God forbid you lose, then mm -hmm. that throws the entire season into jeopardy early. This is why you schedule a team like this first. You know, Obviously, you don't want to... I mean, it's going to be fun on Thursday to look at some of the other high-profile matchups that are happening week one in Division II college football, but especially this version of Shepard's team. Last year, I think it would have done them good to play powerhouse in the yeah. first week of the season. This year, they need that first game to get a running start into the season. Um, the more I read about the defense for Shepard, the more I'm, I'm falling in love with what this team could be. friend of the program, Doug Dorner, was responding yep. to an article that you wrote about on the... You can find on PanhandleNewsNetwork.com. And he mentioned another defensive back, believe it or not, from Lackawanna, yeah. Gianni Gamble, that I had completely, admittedly, mm -hmm. I shouldn't admit this, forgotten was on the roster. And, well, there's so many Lackawanna dudes. Yeah, like exactly. <laughs> and I'm looking at six foot two DB. I mean, yep. they're they're lengthy, they're speedy, they're athletic in their second and third levels of the defense. I mean, this defense does a lot that is going to scare opponents. You just hope that the offense rises to the occasion and they get a tune-up game against Southern Connecticut State to do that. Well, the defense was so overshadowed by the offense last year that people forget how dominant they really were, especially there towards the end of the season. I mean, at the end of the season, had almost 20 interceptions uh, total as a defense, which uh, is pretty incredible. And like I said in that article, I mean, they're bigger and faster than they were last year by tenfold. 
Yeah, this defense is going to be a problem for all sorts of teams this year. You've got Malik Holloway, who looks even better than what he did last year. He's got to step up and be that anchor that Kyle Smith was last year. I'm expecting huge things for Dwayne Grantham, guys. I, I'm expecting him to be probably the PSAC Defensive Player of the Year for what he's going to put up this year. Batten's going to be fantastic on the boundary. Dante Harrison's a guy that can take any any interception to the house on any given opportunity. The back end, I'm excited to see how the safeties develop there as well as the, they get, they try to replace Keyshawn Haley. And what really that interior of the defensive line is going to be, we've been hearing really great things from Nathan Muley and how he can slide to the outside at edge and come back to the inside as a defensive tackle. The defense, I think, is going to be in really, really good coming into this season. The offense, I think, is the question mark. You got you bring in a three-headed monster in the backfield with Russell, with Malachi, and you can bring in Jordan Battle as well. And then you bring in all sorts of guys in the wide receiver room that replace the guys like Perry Hill. You bring in Ronnie Dorsey, who returns. I think the the offensive question marks are there, but they just got to show us something week one. If that, and then that can come for maybe the offensive woes. Because again, you look at that offense, you replace the arguably the greatest quarterback in college football history, a dynamic running back that probably that crossed over two thousand all purpose yards last year. The, the best tight end of Division Two football last year in Brian Walker, and then you can argue the best offensive lineman in Division Two last year in Joey Fisher. It's a haul to replace. And then you even bring up like guys like Adam Stilley as well, mm-hmm. who's a fantastic piece of that offensive line, someone that has chemistry with Tyson like that. They played in high school together. That's so important at the center and quarterback connection, how that's going to be replicated. The offense needs to answer some questions against Southern Connecticut State, and if we can get those answers, I think we can feel a lot more confident about this team maybe, maybe, maybe making another run at Super Region 1. And one more stat about the defense. They were tied for the lead in the nation yesterday, or yesterday, last season with defensive touchdowns. They had six. And they were able to take those risks because they were playing with offensive cushions because of who their quarterback is. This defense is going to be fast and aggressive. I am curious if they're going to be as aggressive as last season when they don't have that offensive safety blanket. Uh, but that's something else to keep in mind. You mentioned the takeaways. Mm-hmm. They had six defensive touchdowns last year, too. If that trend continues, obviously that can help out an offense that's going to struggle a little bit early while they try to get their footing. Yeah, and on defense, can't forget about JT Kome out, too, mm-hmm. who stepped in for Grantham in that Southern Connecticut State game and, I mean, played so hard that he had to lay on the floor of the airplane on the way back because he was cramping and screaming. I was terrifying <laughs> on the plane on the way back, by the way, just hearing a blood-curdling scream coming out of the back. Uh, but, yeah, I think this defense, uh, we'll see how they uh, how they show up on Saturday, of course. I mean, all things change once that whistle blows and uh, uh, the first kickoff of the season happens. But, yeah, a lot of pressure on, uh, I think, Seth Morgan this year to see. I mean, of course, if you're coming in after Tyson Bajan, there's a ton of pressure already as it is. But we'll see what he can do. I'll be interested to see what his legs can do. We didn't really get to see him move around much in the spring game or in the scrimmage uh, a couple of weeks ago. And like you were talking about with the, the center, I mean, a lot of times, more often than not, all the quarterbacks that were out there, him, Lech Powell, and the rest, I mean, they were fighting to try and get snaps, and they were running around, and that was uh, ruining plays, drawing plays out and whatnot. So I'm sure Coach will have them ready to go by Saturday, but uh, this is the first time in a long time I think fans have had more questions than answers going into a season. Well, can I ask you, speaking of questions, can I ask you guys this question? Uh, rank your position groups that you're the most, I guess, concerned of with Shepard coming into this year because for me it's number one is the offensive line, yeah. number two is the running backs, and number yeah. three I think it's place kicker. Because, you know, if this team isn't going to be able to put up 60 points a game, they're going to have to convert on field goals when drive stall. So right. those those are my kind of three big concerns. Is that is that fair that that's probably going to be everybody's top three? Well, it looked like the place kicker competition was one. I can't remember the kid's name off the top of my head. Uh, not, uh, not the guy from last year, but uh, 
yes, not Haney, but he was hitting pretty consistent deep field goals from, I say deep, like 30, 35 yards. So uh, other than that, I think the punter position also Parker's pretty much locked up. I didn't, I wasn't too concerned watching any of the special teams. Yeah. Good. Yeah, the special teams overall were pretty solid. I think the kicking competition was one in camp. It should be Hutchinson should be the punter. And then it would be Humphreys, who's from Jefferson, by the way. Mm-hmm. And Bozick are the other kickers on the is roster. The, Bozick's okay. the one that won it. For the Bozick family that might be listening, I'm not saying I think that your son's. I just have no <laughs> idea what the kicking situation is going to look like for Shepard until they play a game. But remove that from the conversation position groups one and two i think everybody would say the offensive line in the running back room mm-hmm. um well, i don't dresser, know so maybe. much about the running backs i think i mean you talked to nazir and we saw a little bit i mean i think they have a pretty significant three-man running back scheme the, working up and i agree I, in, in terms of stylistically and on paper the issue is for me at least is last year we went into the season kind of thinking the same thing you got ronnie brown who's, you know, your scat back. He ended up being more than that, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. Mm-hmm. And then you had a Vaughn Hawley, who I kind of jokingly said ran like Alvin Kamara, who can run between the tackles, but he's shifty and bendy. And then Hartman emerged as a battering ram. So you thought, those are the three guys that Shepard can use. But they really struggled to get... Hawley struggled, even though you could see the talent was there. And then Hartman struggled to stay on the field as a freshman just because he was still learning the offense. At the beginning of the season, he couldn't pass block. He got a lot better at it. Mm-hmm. But that's my... I, I agree with what you're saying in that you can see how this team could be successful with Russell, with Barnett. What, but you know, before they take those steps, I have some some trepidations about their ability to run the ball, especially when paired with an offensive line that we don't know how well they're going to run block. Yeah, those are going to go hand in hand. I think if the offensive line has struggles, then the running backs are going to have struggles. And I'm I'm feel confident in that three headed monster that they're going to try and build at Shepard. I really like Nazir Russell, guys. I think he's going to be fantastic. He just might have a little bit of growing pains. Being a number one back is really a redshirt freshman, pretty much. He wasn't given many opportunities to run the ball. They were really just in blowout games for Shepard last year. He was buried fourth on the depth chart. Now ascending to the top, he doesn't have much mileage on his legs, which I think is a real big advantage for a running back. You bring in a guy that can be a bully and be that on the goal line with Jordan Barnett. I'm excited to see how he handles the goal line carries. Probably what was going to be Blake Hartman's role for Shepard is what Jordan Barnett is going to fill for them. And then what Malachi Brown's going to bring to the table. I mean, we don't know. He could be a, like a scat back. He could be their third down receiving back they could bring in who has experience at wide receiver. He could be a spell guy for Nazir as well. We, we're not too sure what Malachi Brown's going to bring to the table at running back. But I'm excited to see what he can do. And really, I think I think more glaring than anything else is the offensive line struggles for mm-hmm. Shepard because we got to see this team take a step. Coach McCook talked about it after the media day practice that there were a couple guys banged up, a couple guys that didn't play. I want to see that unit fully healthy and out there so we can get a real gauge of where this offensive line is at because if it has its struggles, then I'm not saying panic. I'm saying be cautious mm-hmm. with the offensive line if it's having its concerns because if that's a problem, then everything on offense is going to be a problem. It starts in the trenches for Shepard, and if they can make that firm and solid, this is a team, again, that can make a deep run into the playoffs. Yeah, I think especially last year. I mean, when you got a guy as dynamic as Ronnie Brown, you got to keep him on the field as much as possible. So they didn't really give those other guys too much of a chance to get something rolling. But we'll see what they do this year. Of course, you can tune in over on 95.9 The Big Dog starting at 11 a.m. on Saturday for your Shepard pregame show as they take on Southern Connecticut State University at home to get the 2023 season started and get a little extra dose of Shepard 
Shepherd football on Thursday with the first Ernie McCook show live on 95.9 The Big Dog at 730, uh, live from Captain Benner's Tavern. But we'll step aside for a few minutes. We'll come back. Uh, we'll talk. I got a text here talking about uh, the Shepherd guys that are still up in the NFL on uh, the active rosters. Well, we have updates about those three guys. Well, at least two of them. Uh, third one still haven't found too much info on. But we'll get to that after this on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Panhandle Sports Live, your home for sports in the Panhandle. Here's Jordan, Luke, and Parker. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. You can text us 304-263-4321, tweet us. At EP Sports Network, we're talking a little Shepherd football. If you want to go over to our website, PanhandleNewsNetwork.com, you can find a little Shepherd preview coming up into the 2023 season, which, of course, gets started on Saturday. But you got to wait, uh, what, another week until the NFL gets started, fellas. And uh, you could be seeing some familiar faces, well, at least one familiar face. But what about the other two? Of course, Tyson Bagent up with the Bears. You got Ronnie Brown with the Buccaneers, and you got. Joey Fisher with the 49ers. Now, uh, if you haven't been online or haven't seen anything about Tyson Bajant in the last three weeks, and I don't know where you've been because he's been all over the place, so I think his fate is sealed being uh, the number two in Chicago, but what about the other two guys? Yeah, it was interesting yesterday to, to see in early afternoon that Ronnie Brown most likely is going to be released or cut by uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and people are expecting him to be added back to the practice squad because that's an organization that prioritizes uh, versatility at that position. And there was really nothing against Ronnie Brown. It was just that Sean Tucker looked unbelievable in the preseason. He was the other undrafted free agent. And when you've got an undrafted free agent from the SEC who fell because of off-the-field issues mm-hmm. and then a Division two guy, you're always going to go. So Rashad White, Chase Edmond, Keyshawn Vaughn, Sean Tucker, uh, and then the casualties of the six that were in camp were Patrick Laird and Ronnie Brown. So Ronnie's got a chance to make their practice squad or somebody else's, but he's not going to be on their active 53-man roster to start the season. We're still waiting on Joey Fisher. All the stuff I've seen from beat reporters, blogs, whatever, have him also as a practice squad guy for the 49ers. That wouldn't surprise me at all because of his position versatility because an NFL practice squad is only 16 people. So you can really only keep two or three linemen. So having one like Fisher who has the ability to play all five spots on the line would be would be tremendous. But not to mention, you just saw the Steelers trade an interior offensive lineman uh, yesterday. Teams are still looking for depth in that position. So while I think that Ronnie Brown would be an intriguing, intriguing ad for a team off the Bucks practice squad, it's not a guarantee as opposed to Fisher where if the 49ers can't make room for him, because they've got a very good offensive line highlighted, not highlighted, but also including Colton McKivitz of WVU, that if they can't make room for him, somebody else will, and they'll pick him up as somebody that can get on a cheap contract to be a backup lineman that can play every spot on the line. But, of course, also Tyson Bajan, it hasn't been official yet, but with the cutting of P.J. Walker, he's now one of just three quarterbacks for a Bears roster in an NFL that needs to keep three quarterbacks between him and Peterman, and he's getting the number two reps. So, uh, Ronnie Brown cut Bajan uh, is the number two quarterback in Chicago as of now and still waiting on Joey Fisher and for Joey's sake I, I, if nothing's came out at this point I think it's a decent chance he makes that roster because a lot of the first wave of cuts happened yesterday for a lot of people if he's not on that roster again he'll be he'll be 100% on somebody's practice squad or he'll get picked up and put on somebody's 53-man roster because you look at Joey's size his strength 
that's something you can you know, build on an offensive line, whether that's a tackle, whether that's a guard, or whether you want to even play him at center. He can play all those positions, which I think was really important and helped him in the draft process and leading up to now. I think there's a good chance he will stick just because of the potential he has being a bigger offensive lineman and being the the position versatility because injuries to the offensive line happen all the time in the NFL, and that's something you want to keep handily of is offensive linemen on your team. Tyson, again, we've waxed poetic about how fantastic he's been in the three se- in the preseason. He's become a darling all over the internet, and it's been fantastic to see now a larger group of people getting to experience and see what he's all about further out from what we have in the past couple of years. It's been fun to see him grow. And for Ronnie's sake, yeah, he'll he'll land on his feet somewhere. I think he will come back to Tampa just on the practice squad. They apparently they like him there a lot from what I've heard from Tampa people and that he he's giving everything on every play. He's being really hard on his plays and running hard and being versatile. And whether that's going on kickoffs, whether that's running the ball, catching the ball, he'll land on his feet. He'll be on their practice squad, I think, in Tampa. What is it, today at 3 o'clock is the deadline, I think, yeah. or 2 o'clock? So, uh, yeah, we'll we'll know by then to see what uh, happens with Joey Fisher. But, yeah, tough situation for Ronnie Brown going into that. But, hey, they can still all call themselves NFL football players one way or another, more than we have, will ever get to, fellas. So, shout out to them uh, for doing that. It's been fun to watch their uh, transition from Shepard into the pro ranks. But now let's start to move back towards EPAC football because coming up here after the break, we'll be chatting uh, with the 1-0 Washington head football coach Terry Ray after their 49-6 trouncing of Page County. And uh, I'll be interested to hear how Coach feels after this game. Page County, yes, they're not the most uh, what dangerous game for Washington on their schedule, but still first game with a new coach, new system. I think 49-6 to is, I mean, I don't know if he would have even uh, guessed that that would have been the final score. Yeah, I mean, you just go down the list of this game, you check the box. Quarterback play, check the box, went through or went through for five touchdowns, and Holmes came in and had an unbelievable scramble. Being able to run the football with Jones, check the box. The other Jones had three touchdown receptions and six grabs, check the box. Your quarterback got time to throw, check the box. Your defense allowed just six points, check the box. I mean, there's a lot of things that went right albeit in a game that's not going to mirror the same level of talent you're going to see in the EPAC conference. But, you know, I'm not going to take anything away from Washington yeah. for winning a game against anybody by 40 points the first game in a new with a new head coach and a new scheme and just a new world. So, you know, there were a lot of things they did that I loved, and it was just, we weren't able to do that game. So I'm excited to get the inside scoop from Coach Ray. Yeah, it was really great to see Coach Ray get that first win. It had been a while since he had gotten one from what was a really tough season in Berkeley Springs last year. Glad to see Washington get back onto the right foot this year for what could be an early season run for the Patriots if things fall their way. I'm excited to hear from Coach Ray. Well, we'll be chatting with the Washington head football coach Terry Ray after the break on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Captain Bender's Tavern in Sharpsburg is more than your average tavern. Open daily at 11, except Mondays they open at 4. Offering a full menu with daily specials. Check out Bender's Monday Night Trivia. Taco Tuesday, all-you-can-eat wings on Wednesdays. Thursdays, burger and draft night. Steak night Fridays and Sunday's brunch from 11 to 2 with unlimited Bloody Marys and mimosas. Bender's is your hookup for amazing food and drinks. Keep up with Captain Bender's Tavern by liking them on Facebook. The Panhandle News Network and WVU Medicine Children's present the Cares for Kids Radiothon. 
presented by Phillips and Sons Drilling. Join us in raising funds to support the kids and their families so they can continue to receive life-saving care in the treatment that they need. If your business wants to be a part of this two-day event on September 7th and 8th, call our office at 304-263-8868. That's 304-263-8868. It can happen easily. A few drinks becomes a few too many. It's time to go and you think of calling for a ride home. Nah, what's the worst that could happen? You get pulled over, you lose your license, you total your car, you kill someone. Drive sober or get pulled over. Paid for by NHTSA. With Labor Day savings at the Home Depot, we'll get your kitchen clicking. With top brand appliances, like a new LG refrigerator capable of making four different types of ice. Or an LG oven with built-in air fryer for healthier, crispier options. Plus, with convenient shopping in-store and online, your innovative new appliances are also just a click away. Get up to $700 off select appliances, plus an extra $1,000 off LG kitchen appliances, only at the Home Depot. Pricing value 824 through 913, U.S. Yeah. store hey, online for details. WPM, how you doing? Have you Googled yourself lately? I'm doing good. Are there Gordon, negative posts from an all right. appreciate you taking a little time to chat with us this morning, and congratulations Maybe on the week one win. news article or sensitive personal information about your family. Search engines oh, don't always get it right. For right or wrong, it's your okay. reputation on the line. That's well, Kurt, you're breaking up a little bit, so uh, I don't know. In. I guess you're probably One in the school. But, uh, names in uh, I'm going to put you on hold here for about. Reputation I'm going to put you on hold here for about 30 seconds, and I'm going to bring you on. All right, Coach. Years. So if you can hear me, you're still breaking Their up. Their cutting edge approaches help you to wipe away unwanted information in your search results. There you go. I got you, Coach. I got you now. Perfect. But we'll be back here in about 20 seconds. Your good name is too valuable to leave to the whims of a Google algorithm. Take control with Reputation Defender. You can start by getting your free Reputation Report Card at reputationdefender.com or call 800-401-6681 to speak to an expert. That's 800-401-6681. Mix up your sports coverage with Panhandle Sports Live. Heard on the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. We were just talking about it, but Washington gets their week one win over Page County out of Virginia, 49-6. to And goodness, welcome to the EPAC, Coach Terry Ray, and he's joining us on the phone. Good morning, Coach. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Congratulations on that week one win. You got to be feeling pretty good uh, walking, uh, walking around the halls of Washington High School this week. Uh, it's pretty exciting. It, it was a fun time on Friday. So, talk to us a little bit about the game. I mean, a, a lot of ex- well, a lot of expectations, of course, with this being your first game, a new, uh, new regime, if you will, for Washington football. And then you come out and put a fifty spot up on Page County. So, uh, I, I would, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I would assume forty nine points wasn't necessarily in the game plan. No, it wasn't in the game plan. Uh, the kids uh, executed the game plan pretty well, and. It just turned out that way. To be honest with you, we we were trying not to put that many points up on them. Well, Coach, uh, how deep did you guys get into the playbook? I mean, obviously, you got the result that you wanted offensively. You put up the forty nine points. You saw Wentz numbers, Jones's numbers. I, I mean, did how deep into the playbook did you get in week one? And obviously, you have to be happy with the reaction to uh, a bit of your new offensive scheme. Uh, we were vanilla, to believe it or not, uh, and we just executed what we went over through our game plan very well. We didn't actually have to dig into any kind of bag of uh, toys or anything like that. We just ran what we were supposed to. 
Did, did you feel you got the opportunity for your skill position players? I know both quarterbacks had snaps. You know, the, the different skill guys that you're trying to break in, obviously Terry on on the offense with Javon and Tavon Jones and Brock Meadows. Did you feel as though you got enough of the ball spread around to get everybody kind of acclimated in that first week of action? Dave Michaels, ROC, and he was trying like heck to get everybody in uh, the end zone. Uh, he does a really good job trying to spread the ball around from our running backs to our wide receivers. Uh, we, I wish we had used Bray a little bit more, uh, but it just got to that running clock, so he didn't get as many snaps as we had liked. But Dave and uh, Neil Powell do a good job of trying to spread the ball around to everybody. Well, Coach, the talk's been all about that offense putting up 49 points. Let's talk about that defense a little bit, only holding Page County to six. And how do you feel like that defense has improved from when you picked up at Washington to week one this past weekend? Uh we played pretty well defensively. Uh, we still made a lot of mistakes. Kids were looking at me yesterday, and I mean Saturday morning in film, going, geez, coach, we only held them to a touchdown. I said, well, we, we gave up a touchdown. But we played very well. We have a lot of mistakes. We still got to clean up, and it's a long season. Well, Coach, some of those playmakers on defense we were talking about coming into the season uh, with John John and and, uh, and Kojo up front, you know, the, the lot or somebody that's going to plug in at that linebacker position. I mean, who are some of the guys that kind of stood out for you as really quickly acclimating to their role on defense? Uh, John, John John is just a force in there right now. It was taking two, three guys to block him. Uh, Kojo and Brock were doing their thing. Uh, they're doing exactly what expected of them. Uh, the one that stood out to me the most would have been uh, Garrett Fauble. We moved him from linebacker down the nose guard. He had a great night. He had five solo tackles, four assists, and three of his tackles were for losses. So he's a team player. He's, he's not being selfish. He's playing to make our defense better. I thought Landon Zimmerman and uh, Isaiah did really well at the inside linebacker position. Okay, we're speaking with uh, victorious week one head coach Terry Ray with Washington Patriots after that 49-6 win over Page County. Looking ahead, coming up on Saturday with a 1 p.m. game. Uh, on the second, you got TJ uh, on the schedule. So at home, another game uh, at uh, Washington High School. So how are you feeling with old TJ coming into town? Uh, their spread offense are a little bit different than Page County from week one. Uh, they're really athletic. Uh, it, it's going to be an interesting football game. We're going to have to show up and play our best. Well, Coach, does this mean, like you said, you want a little vanilla week one, that you're going to start adding more wrinkles and uh, more depth to what we see from you offensively here in the the second week and then uh, towards the back end of the season? Yeah, we're we're going to start adding stuff, and we were real vanilla week one. I don't be vanilla a little bit week two, but we are going to start adding in some wrinkles. Defensively, the kids were laughing at me because we're starting to add stuff in. Page County was a two-back uh, pro-con football team. Mm. Now we're getting into spread teams, so we're able to do a little uh, bit, little bit different things on defense. Offensively, they're, they're running a four-two-five like us, so our, our offensive coaches are looking to figure out what we could do against them and have a pretty good game plan in for TJ. And coach, forgive me. I got to see a lot of the huddle film from some of your guys on offense. I didn't see any special team snaps. Did we have a, uh, a journey verbal siding week one? Uh, journey had a soccer game on ah. Friday night. So Kojo did all the kicking for us the entire night. So 49, he was perfect on his extra point tries, right? Yes, he was perfect on his extra points. Uh, also on his kickoffs, he was averaging about 58 yards. He had five touchbacks on Friday night. Oh, wow. Nice. <laughs> so again, we're speaking with uh, Washington head football coach Terry Ray. Asking one more question here uh, before we let you go. 
Of course, uh, you were the uh, Army National Guard Gridiron Classic game over the weekend, so that means you got the special camo jerseys. Now, for us as broadcasters, those are pretty (laughs) tough jerseys uh, because how the numbers blend in with the camo, I guess, on purpose. But how'd you feel? How'd the boys feel about putting on those special jerseys on Friday? Uh, They were extremely excited. Uh, Brock and John John both got awarded uh, leadership awards from the Army National Guard and the American Legion uh, at the beginning of kickoff. They brought the tunnel in. They had the T-shirt guns. Uh, it was pretty wild. It was it, it felt in right in with the atmosphere and the electricity that we were on Friday night. Perfect. Well, again, we're speaking with Coach Terry Ray, Washington head football coach Terry Ray. Thanks again. Congratulations on the week one win, and good luck against TJ. Appreciate it, guys. Always good for hearing from you. Absolutely. Thank you, Coach. And that's Washington head football coach Terry Ray joining us on the line right as the connection started to go out. So perfect timing. <laughs> perfect, timing. Uh, perfect timing. But 49-6 to win over Page County. Had a couple people asking us there at the Jefferson game on Friday, uh, keeping an eye on Washington, which I think that might be the first time in a while they've been keeping an eye on Washington. And I know their eyebrows certainly went up when they saw that 49-6 to score. Yeah, it certainly did. And and people around the state be put on notice because, like Coach Ray said, you know, Page County, again, not in the same vein of town. All due respect as uh, as epac teams but to say that they didn't get that deep into their their playbook means that the best could be yet to come for this team as they start to throw in a couple more wrinkles try to utilize some more people in their offense you know it looked like jones was the go-to target for one week one which is fine because you want to have that number one guy but at some point you've got a great route runner and terry ray that's there as well uh you've got dignazio somebody's a veteran who can be a good and you've got a mismatch nightmare at tight end in brock meadows mm-hmm. so you know there's more football that this team's going to be able to do and like you said kind of jokingly but it's been a little while since those jefferson county teams have been good at the same time right you know washington went on their run where they were making the postseason and jefferson was establishing their program and these last couple of years jefferson has been a, a state-wide powerhouse and washington hasn't been able you know to compete that's that week 11 game and we would love nothing more than for that game to have playoff implications for both teams and potentially be our pain handle game of the week because you know there's a lot of talent in jefferson county that's certainly starting to be recognized because of the the work that's been done by coach hunter at jefferson uh, and the work that was started by coach simpson and now carried on by coach ray and and, and getting this team really dynamic and and aggressive and um you know again washington did a lot of right things people could say well look at who they played it doesn't matter i mean when you look that good offensively and defensively in your first game you know even if you're playing against a a pop warner team you know i mean Mm -hmm. there are good signs of good things to come and what's important is you put up high big numbers with a middle school kid sitting in the stands thinking man i could be the next quarterback of the washington patriots and getting those kids in your program at the end of the day 49 to 6 is 49 to 6 they came out they didn't give any opportunity to lay an egg and they played great defense i think that's the takeaway from washington and that they've got the pieces in the building blocks to maybe make something special out of this season they play a team in tj that i think if they have the same performance like they had against page county that's going to be a real big confidence booster then i think really the measuring stick is going to be that next matchup on the road against frankfurt if we're able to beat the falcons who are going to be one of the better teams in double a this season then i think we can maybe raise those expectations up a little bit because right now it's washington if they take care of business against TJ over the weekend, they're 2-0, and and they can beat Frankfurt, 
you're sitting at 3-0 at this point, and now we've, we're talking about a team that could maybe make a real run at the playoffs at this point. And then you get deeper down in your schedule, there's the opportunity there to make something happen. I think the thing is, the players look like they're having fun under Coach Ray. I think that's super important right mm-hmm. now. And if they keep the momentum rolling, another big win over TJ, then they're going to be hot coming into Frankfurt on the road, which that, again, will be a measuring stick matchup for Coach Ray and the Patriots to really let us see how far this team can go this year. So I found it interesting scrolling through here before we get to our uh, final break. I saw the week two rankings from Coalfields and Co. And they have Martinsburg at two mm, and Huntington at one. So is that just because they didn't play an in-state opponent? No, it's Even if it's, I mean, the, the best team in Canada? It's because it's the defending state champs more than anything. Mm, and, yeah. you know, Metro News is the same way. When Huntington beats Martinsburg in the semifinal last year, that's in, in enough in the eyes of the – do I agree with that? Absolutely not. Yeah. I think if those two teams step on the field right now, Martinsburg wins by two touchdowns. Will that change in the postseason? Maybe. Uh, but that's that's why more than anything. Mm-hmm. And uh, following up to the point I made, uh, Washington has beat Jefferson once since 2013. They were more dominant before that, but Washington's only beaten Jefferson once since 2013, and that was back in 2017. Mm-hmm. So if we have a, a less than two touchdown Jefferson County rivalry week 11, be pretty fun. That's that's you know give the people what they want. I mean that's going to be a really 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 fun game. Well, you can get in touch with us. You can text us, 304-263-4321. You can tweet us at EP Sports Network. We'll get to this final break. We'll come back, get Parker's picks, and start to wrap things up here on Panhandle Sports Live on WPM and WCST, the Panhandle News Network. Welcome back to Panhandle Sports Live, broadcasting live from the Hoppy Kirchville building. I'm Jordan Ice Warner, alongside me, Luke Wiggs and Parker Stone. Yeah, well, that's called beginner's luck. Luck, 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 Yeah, I like to call this my lock of the day. Prove it, it's never fails. Never failed once. Was a good Monday. We went perfect yesterday. We had the Orioles get the win over the White Sox, nine to nothing for yesterday's block of the day. Big win for the O's. Great job taking care of business against a bad Chicago White Sox team. The Rangers were able to pull off the win against the Mets, four to three, and the and the Mariners were able to cover that run line, seven to nothing. Begin behind yet again another dominant performance from Julio Rodriguez. He's been having a whale of a month in in the month of August, and it's been a fantastic showing. From J Rod. Before we get into today's picks and we bring the thunder, I wanted to address a little rumor that was going around. Somehow there was a rumor brought up that I broke my leg, and I just like to say, I'll I'll, I'll stand up for you guys right now. Well, thank you. Our audio, yeah, yeah, he was I'll stomping. See. That noise you <laughs> was a stomp. By stomp, the way, stomp, stomp from the leg. See him shaking the left leg right here. Listen, man, I'm shaking the right leg right here. I'm I'm fine. We I'm fine. You, we don't need you going down on sidelines at Shepard. No, you will see me on the sidelines on Saturday. Listen, I will man, be out get, there. When you get popular, rumors start circulating. You get shout outs all over the place. You know, it's, it's you and Lonzo Ball. Yeah, my legs are good. I will be out there for Thursday for our game. They of the do week. work like they used to before. I will be out there for the Berkeley Springs game on Friday, and I will be on the sidelines for Shepard. My legs have never been better. Damn. People were saying that you got. People said I was done. Knees. You got D Rose knees. People said I was done. <laughs> but here I am, better than ever. So on a Tuesday, no less. On a Tuesday, and you know what that means? We are bringing that thunder today. It is Dinger Tuesday. We're coming in hot off a perfect slate, and you know what? With a little bit of thunder, comes a little bit of sun afterward. And I'm feeling we're going to get some solar power today. Jorge Soler hits a home run. Jorge Soler is my pick to hit a home run today. He wants to play. September, October, baseball for the Marlins. I don't know if they're going to get there, but Jorge Soler is going to try his best to get them there. He's going to hit one against the Rays today on Dinger Tuesday. 
and we're going to make it happen. Jorge Soler is hitting a home run for the Miami Marlins today. That is today's Dinger Tuesday pick. And as well, I'm going with kind of a little bit of an underdog pick today. I'm rolling with the Nats against the Blue Jays. Come on. I'm rolling with the Nats against the Blue Come Jays on, I today. love this Parker Stone energy I'm getting. I, I'm feeling good about the Nats right now. I have been pleasantly surprised about how they've been piecing things together, and Toronto does have a tendency to fall short against teams they maybe should beat at points as well. So I feel like with Mackenzie Gore, with him coming to the mound, with this team playing really good baseball right now, C.J. Abrams, Keeper Ruiz, and Lane Thomas and the like, I feel like there's a good chance. Plus, I don't really trust Jose Barrios as well for the, for the Blue Jays. He's just so wishy-washy as a pitcher. Sometimes he pitches great. Sometimes he pitches bad. You don't know which Jose Barrios you're going to get. So I'm going to roll with the Nationals Eight games today. back in the wild card, baby. Yeah. They're, they're there. They're hanging on right now, and I think that's really impressive to how quickly these players they've brought in have matured and have played good baseball. There's a chance they could finish the season with a better record than the Padres, Mets, and Cardinals. Could yeah. you They're imagine right the madness? They just, they just jumped the Padres last week. The insanity. They yeah. won the Juan Soto trade. Mark it down here. Who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? <laughs> but the Nats get the win today in an upset. And the Brewers are slight underdogs today against the Cubs. I'm in Wrigley. I'm going to take the Brewers with the win as well. And they had a lead in the National League Central. So Jorge Soleras today's Dinger Tuesday pick. He hits a home run against the Rays for the Marlins. The Nats get the win, and the Brewers get the win. It's, this could be a big-time slate for you as well if you want to play along at home. it's The odds on this one are plus 4,300 right now. So if you hit big on this Dang. one, let me know. Tweet me at EP Sports Network if you're rocking with it today. If you if all three of these hit, it's going to be a big payout for you. So I suggest you play along. You can even put a dollar on it and get a decent little payout if you really want to. So play along, have fun, and remember, please bet responsibly. Man, fired up yeah. on a Tuesday morning. I can get down with that. I guess I probably should tell you, too, that uh, last time Mackenzie Gore went out and started I think they had three errors behind him and they lost or no they came back to win in the ninth so hey there you go that's you what go. we're looking for there you go no matter how it gets done it's just a win yeah but if you missed any of our conversation a little bit ago with uh, Washington head football coach Terry Ray or if you missed any Panhandle Sports Live you can always listen back to it uh, over on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page so there's uh, people were talking fellas about this West Virginia Penn State opener right and I think Penn State, and I think the majority of people think that Penn State's going to win this game just because Penn State's, I mean, they're, people are tapping them as national champions this year in certain polls, which I hate, but I see it anyways. Now, there's a little uh, murmuring, rumor, whatever you want to say, trend starting to bubble up that a lot of people think West Virginia is going to beat Penn State <laughs> on the road. Now, don't get me wrong. I hope West Virginia plays well. If they win, that'd be great. But I just don't think that that is possible with this current matchup. But, I mean, you guys are a little bit more tapped into West Virginia football than I am. Do you think that this trend has any kind of real legs or this uh, this thought that West Virginia can go into Happy Valley? And, uh, I mean, some people are saying that they're going to, like, beat them bad, which I don't think is ever in the, in the in the cards. But what do you think about this West Virginia-Penn State game? Uh, I mean, the thing about it is is – there are football games and then there's 106,000 people at Happy Valley for, and we joked about this on Saturday. Um, it's not the whiteout game because Penn state only gets one whiteout game and it's special, but because it's West Virginia and they wanted to do something similar, they're doing the, the football helmet, helmet stripe. stripe. Yeah. So it's a whiteout game. It's just, there's two sections yeah. that are wearing blue. So 106,000 people, old rival, there's a lot of things going against West Virginia. There's some stuff I liked from what I heard from the players yesterday, and you can find an article about it at WVMetroNews.com. Zach Frazier said, I'm tired of hitting our own people. Mm -hmm. you know, So I'm fired up to see what he can do. I mean, you know, the recipe for success for West Virginia in this game is 
every mismatched football team's recipe for success. It's ball control. You know, if you can get four or five or six yards of carry and one at the point of attack and C.J. Donaldson can eat and Garrett Green has a couple of nice... Special teams thing here and there. Yeah, exactly. Garrett Green has a couple of nice throws. That's the thing. You go position by position because it's Ayler, I mean, taking over a quarterback for Penn State, and I think that he's going to be electric. Like you said, in my opinion... um, just completely blanked on James Franklin's name. If they don't make the college football playoff or at least the Big Ten title game, I think he gets fired because yeah. I think his leash has been long enough. I love him. I think he's a great recruiter, but it hasn't turned into success for the Nittany Lions, in my opinion. And as Neil Brown said, they've got potentially nine NFL players on their defense. You go position by position, I think West Virginia legitimately has like an three? advantage in two in two spots. Yeah. Center with, with Frazier and punter with Ollie Straw. And that's it. <laughs> Maybe Aubrey Burks at safety. I don't know. Maybe one of the other linemen. But regardless, a lot of things are going against them. What Pat McAfee said, and he's getting pumped for it, he's absolutely right. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. If West Virginia beats Penn State, you're getting college game day for the backyard brawl. Are they going to beat Penn State? Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you can dream. Everybody's 0-0 at the beginning of the season. So I wanted to bring this up. I was doing some digging and found this article from ESPN concerning 10 games that could affect the college football playoff rankings and how it could affect things when it comes down to that point. They put a game that might surprise people about how it could factor into selection day. West Virginia, Penn State being number three on that list, and here's what it says. They said Neil Brown is on the hot seat and will be coaching like it is like he's on the hot seat this fall. Penn State could have the best team they've ever fielded since 2016 but will the breaking in of a new starting quarterback, they can't afford an upset with Ohio State and Michigan on the schedule as well. With that being said, let's be serious here for a second. (laughs) West Virginia is not beating Penn State. They are not at that point right now. This is a team that is fighting to make a bowl game. They're not in a spot right now to to contend with a Penn State that has a good chance. Again, lots of people are picking this team to not only win the Big Ten, but make the college football playoff right now. We need to taper expectations a little bit. This is a team that is going to be dominant. You're playing in maybe the most hostile environment to play at in college football in Happy Valley. I think if West Virginia proves they can hang in this game, I think it would be impressive. But there's every chance this could be an absolute just boat race for Penn State against West Virginia. There's every opportunity of that. If, if you're Neil Brown, do you want the ball first? That's a great question. <laughs> well, here, <laughs> funny text on our text line. Uh-oh. 304-263-4321. Uh, the texter says, I graduated not once but twice from, w- from WVU. Haven't missed a game since 93, but have, in all caps, zero <laughs> chance of winning. And LOL. see, that's realistic. Yeah. I, I love the Mountaineers. I've, gr- I've grown up and rooted for them <laughs> since I was a tiny tot. I love them to death, but... We need to be realistic here. This is a Penn State team that's trying to win a national championship. It would be... It would be probably the biggest upset in the history of the program. Yes. And this is a team that has an Orange Bowl win, and they won in the Sugar Bowl, and they won in the 80s. Is it impossible? No. Is it improbable? Yes. The last time West Virginia beat Penn State in Happy Valley, I believe it was in the 1950s, if I'm correct. When they beat Penn State at uh, Old Mountaineer Field, they put finally Town on the scoreboard. down. That was the finally game. They just put finally on the scoreboard. Yeah, my so. dad was there. He's He's got some stories from Sunnyside on that <laughs> night. Oh, That's boy. For sure. That's for sure. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I hope they play well, But because uh, trust me, ain't nobody around uh, doesn't like Penn State more than me. But uh, I just don't see it. Just don't see it in the cards. Being competitive, I think, is the biggest takeaway from this game. If they don't, if they can be in that game within a touchdown, within two touchdowns, 
I think that is a win for West Virginia, and that could set things up for a more than expected season potentially. But winning this game, I think that might be a little much. Being competitive, I think, is what we're looking for in this game. Of course, on Friday, we have your Panhandle game of the week, but we've added an extra one on Thursday. So uh, go ahead, fellas, preview the uh, Thursday Panhandle game of the week. Well, this game is important for a myriad of reasons. Number one is Jefferson against Sharando, and Sharando's in a weird place right now where if Jefferson can catch him napping and put up a crooked number against them that they can really get off to a great start of their season. It's easier said than done because there's good athletes down there. But number two, this is the Panhandle High School football game of the week play-by-play debut of one our very own Parker Stone. Come on. So he's going to bring that energy. The same energy he brought to Dinger Tuesday, he's going to bring to game of the week Thursday. So you're not going to want to miss that. Yeah, it's going to be really exciting. I'm really pumped up to see all those athletes from Jefferson. It sounded like they had a heck of a show this past Friday, all the likes of Robinson, Harrich, Goins, and Roper and the like. I'm excited to see those guys in person be able to be a part of that action and what is going to be a revenge game for Jefferson because Sharando took them down last year. It was a part of that one and two start for Jefferson that made them have to have that big rally in the second half. Could it be an early start for Jefferson? Is there able to get maybe a second win against Sharando? We'll find out on Thursday night. Yep, right here on your Panhandle Game of the Week Part 1 on Thursday. Then you got the game on Friday. You got Berkeley Springs on Friday. You got Shepard on Saturday. You got the Ernie McCook Show on Thursday. Got the Mountaineers on Saturday. Mountaineers Saturday Mountaineers night. on Saturday. We are in football season, We're boys. We're back. We're back. <laughs> We're back. And if you missed any of this Panhandle Live, you can listen back to it a little bit later on on our Panhandle News Network Facebook and Spotify page. For Parker and Luke, I'm Jordan. Panhandle Live is next. Have a good one. We will talk to you tomorrow. Martinsburg and WCST Berkeley Springs, a WVRC media station. We're proud to live here too.